We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I'm joined by two awe-inspiring co-hosts in Curtis Patrick and Scott Connor. And it's been a bit since our last episode, and a couple things have happened in the past few days especially, so there's uh, a lot to cover. Obviously, we might mention Odell Beckham Jr., and there are plenty of other top free agency acquisitions to cover too. And uh, since some of you have been asking here recently, we are coming out with our latest rookie guide here very soon, so be looking forward to that. And speaking of the rookie guide, uh, Curtis, have you uh, have you slept at all in the last week? Uh, try try maybe last month, man. Um, <laughs> it's been been pretty wild. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. Most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling or credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 31.25 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749 0% APR. One offer per account. Uh, I am really pumped about volume two. It, it's really going to be the best thing that, that we've ever put out. Um, I'm really excited about some of the different types of content that we're getting into. Uh, you in particular with some of the wide receiver charting stuff that's going to be in there. Uh, it's just really solid all around. And of course, everybody right now is just, you know, th- th- there's pandemonium to find out, you know, what are the post combine rankings looking like from all the various sites and, um, we teased that a little bit with our, our top three tiers on the at Dynasty Command uh, Twitter handle uh, if you want to go check that out. But we'll have the full top 50 for single QB PPR leagues. Uh, we'll adjust the top 50 for tight end premium for super flex. We've got IDP uh, fantasy grades around the NFL for landing spots. Uh, fans of TJ Calkins um, article in the in the first volume. Um, we'll enjoy a similar piece from um, Tom Kislingberry on the IDP side this time. So really just um, tons of great content. Kudos to all the DCC analysts who pitched in there. And uh, man, you teased Odo Beckham Jr. I got I got all my Browns <laughs> kit on. 
I got my Baker headband on. I got the hat. I got the shirt. I broke out the Colonel E.H. Taylor small batch 12-year bourbon for this episode. I'm, I'm just so pumped, man. Does it get any better? We're in legal tampering period. We just came off of the combine. I mean, this is going to be my favorite pod ever, and I don't even know if it's going to be good after this little <laughs> rant. But just just seriously, guys, um, can't can't wait to cut this up with you. Scott, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I agree with everything that you just said. It's been a hectic last couple of days between trying to follow everything that's going on. Pretty much every one or two minutes, there's a new rumor that pops up, or I get a new text message saying, did you see this? Did you see that? All trying to juggle you know, real life and doing my day job while trying to follow everything. So it's been awesome. It's been a great couple of days. And actually, this is my most enjoyable time of the Dynasty season. Oh, yeah, is getting it's, to it's so just much fun just this time of year with all the, the new information. It's really hard to kind of digest all of that. So and, I've been having a blast. that's why we're probably going to have a podcast for the uh, new rookie guide out here very soon. Probably get a couple uh, maybe in one, one week here for you guys. But let's just dive in. I mean, I, obviously, the OBJ situation is, is on everybody's mind. There's, there's going to be everyone that, talking about it for the next uh, who knows how long. But Scott, what were your thoughts on the trade right away? Like, what, were you a fan of it for the, the Browns? <laughs> what are you thinking about the Giants situation now? Uh, where are you at with that? Well, everyone knows I'm a frustrated Cincinnati Bengals fan. So from a Browns perspective, uh, kudos to them. It's a great move. I think my first couple reactions were, one, I've been saying to sell Antonio Callaway for at least a month now, and I think this kind of loses your window to be able to do that. Uh, my second thought is, you know, it's pretty much, you know, arrows up for every part of the Browns offense, at least for Mayfield, for Jarvis Landry. Uh, we'll see about Beckham, but I think it's a great change of scenery for him. And then also from the Giants' perspective, I mean, it's just a move that I thought they they probably should have done a year ago. Uh, before you know, committing to going another year with Eli and signing Odell to the big contract, you wonder if they could have maybe gotten a little bit more last season. But just shocking to have this drop right in the middle of free agency. It kind of turns all the attention off the free agency. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really so know what to do with it myself. I mean, a lot, a lot of people have already trying seen to process it, freaking out about over you know what what it means for Jarvis Landry and his target share and how he, that's probably going to disappear. Uh, and what it means for even Sterling Shepard and, and the, the mess at wide receiver that's still with the Giants. So I, I don't really know what this means. I, I, I like it for Sterling Shepard because I've been a fan of him for forever. But, uh, yeah, the Giants just seem like they're going into hot mess mode. And I wonder if, like you said before we even started recording, I wonder if they're done just yet. Uh, but is there any silver lining for you, Curtis, for the, for the Giants before we just gush over, over the Browns offense a little bit? Okay, so of course I'm just going to come at this from a, on the Giants just from a fantasy perspective, and in particular uh, the dynasty fantasy perspective. Because um, if I attempt to wrap my head around the football moves that the organization's making, I think that I'll spontaneously combust right here, and it's just going to be the two of you for the rest of the pod. So let's just <laughs> let's just focus on the fantasy uh, piece. I do think it's I think I think it's good for Sterling Shepard, um, not great. I mean, I don't think that he is a legitimate wide receiver one. I think he's a complimentary piece in the offense. And if they don't get some sort of dominant outside physical presence, he's going to struggle. I, I don't think that he would do much more than what he did last year. He had 107 targets, uh, caught 66 balls for just shy of 900 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, I think, I think now that's his floor instead of maybe um, a midpoint for him. Um, so, I mean, I could certainly see him adding 25 targets to that, you know, 15 receptions, maybe getting up close to 1,000 or 1,050 receiving yards and more like six touchdowns. But I only really like him to hit those numbers as long as they add somebody on the outside. And, you know, they, obviously they, they have, what, the sixth pick and the 17th pick now in a draft that's loaded at wide receiver. We expect them to add a quarterback. Um, will they add, you know, what would end up being the future replacement for Odo Beckham? Um, with one of those picks as well. I think that's the thing to watch. So Sterling Shepard, um, if anything, I think this has just raised his floor and you could probably depend on him more as a flex level contributor on your team next year. I think the guy that it really, it really changes everything for, um, and a guy that's had kind of a tale of two seasons is Evan Ingram. Um, after his rookie season, um, I mean, I think a lot of people had him as like the tight end three for Dynasty. And uh, arrows were straight up on him. And then, and then last year, struggles to stay healthy, 
ends up with a pretty good line if you look at it on a per game uh, basis, but certainly not, you know, the ceiling that that we really wanted to see. I mean, I think he got easily lapped by George Kittle um, for that tight end three spot. And I don't see a lot of people ranking him as even the tight end four. He's more of like a, a mid uh, tight end one in, in most ranking sets that I see. But I think this is going to push him up um, back towards the top five. Um, certainly would would belong if if you can pencil him in for 95 to 100 targets. There's just not a lot of tight ends that get that kind of action in, in terms of their opportunity share. So really like Evan Ingram, probably very good for that young man and, and his future on the football field and also in our in our dynasty lineups. Uh, Saquon is going to Saquon no matter hmm. what. Um, maybe, you know, they brought back Corey Coleman. Um, oh, you know what I mean? And I'm not, okay, look, I, I'm I'm really not. I'm really not. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, just yeah. saying. Maybe think about stashing a Corey Coleman right now, just between now and the draft. Because if they don't add anyone significant and they go and get one of these budget veteran um, wide receivers, and if the team really is committing to a rebuild, why wouldn't they give this guy uh, a shot um, with some more meaningful snap share? And, you know, former first round pick, obviously. Um, maybe he isn't, you know, maybe he's not quite dead. Maybe he's a little bit more undead right now. So that that's my take on the John. Do you guys disagree with the Shepherd higher floor, unknown ceiling, Evan Ingram becomes kind of an immediate buy? Is that, that your take as well? That's where I am. I think it, uh, Evan Ingram especially is going to be a beneficiary there because, I mean, we, we saw what he could do with, with an opportunity when he was fully healthy uh, in his first year. So I think that's a major boost. I mean, we, people forget, well, probably remember okay, but uh, Saquon had 120 targets. So he's probably still, I don't think he's going to go up. I don't think he's going to go up from 91 receptions. I don't think that he, I think he probably stays about the same. Uh, so I think what, what changes is definitely how they distribute the ball to their one, two, and maybe that third option. It, it kind of becomes an interesting spot for a potential rookie wide receiver to come in and have a role right away uh, with, you know, a class that we're excited about a lot of these rookie wide receivers. That might be a spot uh, where they could, you know, potentially assert themselves in year one uh, where maybe other spots around the league might not be the case. But uh, I don't know. That, that's probably all I got. Scott, you got anything else on the Giants before we move on to the Browns? Well, I think from a logistics perspective, just looking at how dynasty mm. owners are going to see this, the narrative has already been out there for two years that Evan Ingram is better when Odell Beckham is not on the field. So I think that's going to be an automatic tick up for his value. Even if you don't believe in the talent, I do have some questions about Evan Ingram just as a long-term player, but I think the narrative is going to be his value is straight up just simply because sure. Odell's not well, there. Curtis, I think he may have with a the Browns now, I mean, obviously, high, OBJ, Jarvis um, Landry, obviously up himself. arrows for Baker Mayfield. How far do we do we make those up arrows go, though? Like, what, Does he have the potential to be this year's Patrick Mahomes? I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think that the Browns will have that type of passing volume. I think he, I, I think he, he could have elite touchdown upside. I don't know. Well, I guess we didn't see Mahomes throw for five thousand yards. You know, even aside, he's not going to have the the little rushing padding that Mahomes had. I don't think Mayfield laps Mahomes here whatsoever. Even though his weapons are arguably arguably better now at this point, I would have a hard time listing him outside my QB three. Um, I haven't had time to adjust this yet, but at this point, I mean, with these weapons for multiple years moving forward, I mean, how how do you keep him out of your top three? Um, and I think in Superflex, I mean, he's now what? He's he's got to be, he's got to be a round two consideration in startups uh, in Superflex now. I mean, I think he shoots way up the board there now because his floor is just so high. At this point, I mean, how does a guy, I mean, he threw 27 touchdowns and 13 starts as a rookie. So what's that pace him for low thirties? I mean, how does he not have a 35 touchdown floor every year, even in positive game scripts? I mean, you got to start, here's the thing. You're going to have to start looking at the Browns and they're going to run a different system. You're going to have to start looking at this offense like it's the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be, yeah. I mean, they're going to be ahead in games. The question with Mayfield is going to be, and and they don't, this isn't a defense. This Browns defense isn't like the Chiefs defense of last year. That's a big, that's going to be a a big difference as well. I mean, we also saw them 
uh, invest heavily in the D-line. And I, and now with the trade for Beckham, you imagine they're going to spend some more draft capital on, on defense. They're going to have to replace Jabril Peppers. I'm not sure that he was necessarily a plus back there in their secondary anyway. Um, but I think the Browns have the pass rush to force turnovers, get some extra possessions each game. And it's just a more formidable defense in general than the Chiefs. So if they get that early lead and they hold, this becomes very good for Nick Chubb. Uh, and, and his, and his um, positive game scripts, you know, should go up into the, you know, 70% range, I think, um, for the year. But uh, the question with Mayfield is going to be, are they going to need him really to win games after the second quarter? Yeah, how, how many times next season is he going to be, is he going to be chucking it 15 times in the fourth quarter? I just don't know. I mean, <laughs> look, it's only, it's only March. It's mid-March. A lot can change. But that's where my mind starts going is, you know, how do you get him to 550 pass attempts? You know, it's kind of hard to see it. Um, and so that's, that's what I worry about. So when you think about target distribution, Landry had 149 targets last year, uh, only player on the team with more than 100, uh, just lapped the field. And Joku had 88, Antonio Callaway 79, um, and then kind of on down from there. I think the clear loser, the clear loser is Antonio Callaway. Oh, yeah. You know, that poor guy's just buried now. Nice player, not going to be projectable for fantasy purposes week to week. I actually really don't mind it for Jarvis Landry. I think his target share goes down. Not sure his production will go down. I think he can become a more efficient player. Only had a 54% catch percentage last year. Very low for the types of routes that I think he's going to run now with OBJ stretching the field and running the deeper routes, and Landry can work the underneath. Um, so 81, 9, 76, and 4. Seems very doable, very attainable for Landry. Uh, maybe even an uptick in the touchdowns. Um, but I think I think Beckham obviously is. If anyone's going to get 150 targets, it's going to be him. I do also think that it probably blocks Njoku from from growing too much. Uh, hard for me to see him getting more than 90 targets. So he might be what he is at this point. Maybe maybe there's a room for a little bit more efficiency. Only caught 56 balls in the 88 targets. You maybe can get that up into the 65 range and have more, you know, closer to a 70% catch percentage. But um, short short of increasing his efficiency, I think Njoku is what he is. But man, just so much. I'm going to pass you the ball for a minute, Travis. <laughs> no, that's all good. I I think at tight end position, it, it, I mean, if you look at uh, where you really get your winners at the position, it's it's touchdowns. It's obviously there are exceptions. Obviously, Ertz has just crazy reception numbers so that's great that that's going to keep him afloat even if he doesn't have the touchdowns but I mean if you look at Eric Ebron being a upper echelon tight end one this year but virtually having the same receiving yard stats as he did when he basically was considered left for dead with the Lions you know the difference was just the touchdowns so I think that's where we are with the position if if Njoku can assert his presence once they get in closer maybe and in terms of that four touchdown total into eight I think he's he's takes a, another step in his dynasty value, but I don't know if that's really trustworthy. <laughs> you know, just just to trust in the touchdowns. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of a, a worry for his his max ceiling. I don't think he's going to get into that tight end three discussion that you were talking about earlier. Uh, just I feel like that that's pretty pretty safe to assume, which I, I agree for sure. Well, I think it's an important point you made. Uh, you said let's give Njoku four more touchdowns. If you give him four more touchdowns last year, he's tight in six yeah. uh, instead of tight in nine. And he would only have been, well, there still would have been a considerable gap behind Jared Cook at tight in five. But he, he's very much a mid tight in one uh, with a handful more touchdowns. So that, that's a good point, Travis. I hadn't gone there yet in my head. No, I was going to say Travis kind of took the same argument I was going to make was I kind of look at it as a maybe a slightly less version of the Colts 2018 where I think you could see Mayfield flirting with 40 touchdowns, and it's just a matter of how they're distributed. And if Njoku can get into that Ebron territory where he's approaching double digits, I think he can still be a mid-tight end one just based on that. And then Mayfield, to me, until Deshaun Watson gets a better offensive line, the Texans still haven't addressed it yet. Uh, I have Mayfield you know, clearly ahead of Watson in dynasty rankings from a super flex perspective. So I think he definitely makes that jump where he's oh, up there definitely. with and I don't even Andrew think he Luck even has to, like you were saying, that 550 pass So those are my two thoughts just based uh, on where the conversation just was. It's basically just an average NFL offense. I mean, last year there were 17 teams that hit 550 passing attempts. And I think the Browns can get up into that conversation. 
but they don't have to do, you know, wonders more in, in terms of yardage for him to still be an incredibly highly valued and incredibly impressive quarterback one for dynasty purposes. I think that that's probably just, uh, I agree. It's really hard to rank him past what three, four in terms of dynasty rankings, just with his, his age, the weapons that are around him. And there's just way too much to like there, but does this really change much for you guys for OBJ's value? Like I have for a long time, he's just been that staple inside the first round. Like let's just assume he gets 150, 160 targets. Do we just assume that he's just going to be, the same old wide uh, upper tier wide receiver one potential for top five, top seven startup value, or does that change things at all? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's in the top three range for me at this point anymore, just because of the way the Browns' offense is going to be constructed. I just think there's too much pressure to do damage early in games, and too many other weapons that can do it. Um, and I think that we might see a struggle with. Uh, I struggle with consistency there a little bit. So if I compare him to DeAndre Hopkins, who is still the clear lead there, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Steelers in a few moments. Um, I think that a, a sound argument can be made that that Juju should be among the league leaders and targets uh, moving forward. So I start to have some pro- – and my, I really like uh, Mike Evans moving forward with, with Bruce Arians and Adam Hum- Humphreys leaving and um, some of the things that I expect to happen in Tampa Bay. So I just think there's enough uh, – Devontae Adams – um, wide receiver yeah. one last year, you know, there's just too many other guys now that I think for a year or two, Beckham was just on a, his own plane and it was hard to see how other guys got there. I just think that that top tier receivers is so robust. Now you can make good arguments for many of them. And, um, Beckham has more competition for some of that, that target share than others. So not, not much reason to force him into a top three in, in my opinion I'd rather I'd rather play the Mayfield card who's the guy that's connected yeah. to all those weapons instead of picking one for sure are you, are you there too Scott or where are you at with uh, OBJ's value in the future yeah I think uh, his numbers when he was healthy uh, with the Giants were you know a per game basis better than anybody else in the NFL so that's the biggest thing is going to be the health but I think Beckham is more he's more of like a I would say a little bit of a rich man's Tyreek Hill at this point he's probably going to give you three or four games where you're disappointed in what you get from him. But I do think with Mayfield, he's actually going to have a quarterback that can get him the ball anywhere on the field. So I think he's going to have some potential weekly to absolutely crush you some weeks and win some weeks for you. But I would say he's more comparable to yeah, like I love Tyreek Hill did good, last year uh, for both targets and then also man. the, the yeah, ceiling sure. well, hey, perspective. Before we do talk about the Steelers and a few other hot situations that have already changed via free agency news, Curtis, how about a, a word from our fantastic sponsor, the FFPC? Okay, Travis, our friends at the FFPC are the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner, and they have brand new startup Dynasty Leagues forming right now at $77 and $250 entry fee levels. Uh, You can enter in standard, super flex, and Dynasty best ball formats. Uh, There are also limited orphan teams available, and those are significantly discounted. If you're ready to draft and uh, redraft Best Ball League, FFPC has you covered with Best Ball Drafts filling daily starting at just $35. You can do those live or slow online. Go to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Just a reminder, all new subscribers to Dynasty Command Center Slack get a $30 league credit applicable to any Dynasty League fee uh, $77 or higher uh, at myffpc.com. I am going to be joining several uh, this month and uh, want to try a couple of those $250, probably some 77s. I'll tweet some of those out and maybe we can get some of the listeners in those leagues with me. Looking forward to competing with y'all. Yeah, for sure. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, anytime you get a chance to to kick uh, Curtis's butt, it's a, a good day. So uh, that's uh, always good. But let's just uh, dive right into uh, some of the other landing spots and just some changing backfields, changing wide receiver cores. You mentioned the Steelers. I, I do want to talk about that for a second because uh, there's a lot of noise about Juju Smith-Schuster and what, what, how this changes things for him or James Washington. And, and uh, so, Scott, where are you with Juju? Because, I mean, we, we, I think you were here when we were talking about the, you know, the new kind of elite and uh, how we value Juju and where those tiers were. 
Uh, so is Juju in the conversation for wide receiver one overall for you? I think wide receiver one's a little bit of a stretch, but I couldn't go against somebody that has him at wide receiver two at this point. Uh, it's funny because I've seen a couple trades this offseason where people are flipping Beckham for Juju. And at first I'm thinking, oh man, that's a little bit of a reach. But now after this conversation tonight and just seeing what's happened today, I, I don't really think that's out of bounds at all. If you have him at wide receiver two, which I may have to reassess where I had him because Odell was my wide receiver two prior to this trade. Uh, I think you really do have to consider him uh, right there uh, with the other elite players we talked about before, Michael Thomas. And what about you, Curtis? Are you, uh, in that conversation uh, I don't think he's quite up well? to New Hopkins yet, but Man, I think he's right now there, that so now that no Antonio Brown's actually out of town, I, I, I'm actually stressed about my next set of uh, dynasty wide receiver rankings. I really am hmm. because I think it's 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 really big. Anytime you put that one label on someone, I, it's so much harder for me to put that label on somebody than moving somebody from five to two. There's just something about this is the guy. Um, and, and you know, when you start when you start to think that people are going to make moves based on how you rank players too, there's that extra weight and responsibility uh, that comes along with it. But when you think about Juju's age, when you think about the fact that in a year where he and Antonio Brown were both healthy, granted Antonio Brown sat out the final game of the season last year, but let's look at these lines, Okay. Same quarterback, same offense, same system. Juju, 166 targets. Antonio Brown, 168. Juju, 111 receptions. Antonio Brown, 104. Receiving yards, Juju, 1426. Antonio, 1297. The big difference, I mean, that's basically flat, other than, you know, Juju had like 10 10 extra points on him uh, from yardage and, and a handful of points and receptions, but essentially flat when you factor in Antonio's missed game touchdowns Antonio Brown 15 Juju 7 so there's a couple things here one 168 targets just left town I mean that's (laughs) insane okay so who's gonna take him because left bell ain't coming back to take him uh so Jalen Samuels probably getting a little bit more meat on the bone James Conner potentially some extra although he already had 70 targets um Vance McDonald I, I, yeah, and I got, I'll come back to that. Cause if we're talking about Juju, but Vance is going to take Vance some of that, dance. but Ju, make, make a legitimate argue, argument against Juju having 190 target upside. I don't think you can. Um, I just really don't think you can, unless you think James Washington is getting a hundred targets next year. Like that's like the only legitimate argument against Juju, um, pushing up towards 200 in, in my mind and the touchdowns got to go somewhere. I yeah. mean, Roth- Roethlisberger's gonna—he's gonna throw thirty-plus touchdowns. It's—it's it's gonna happen, and if—and if fifteen of them are gone, Juju's the favorite for every one of those. I mean, he's not gonna get every one of those, uh, but on any given play, he's the favorite to catch the the touchdown that was vacated by Antonio Brown. So it's—it's it's hard to when you think about actually redistributing opportunity share in the Steelers offense, it's hard to make a case against Juju as wide receiver one, other than the fact that Ben Roethlisberger's, uh, you know, entering his 37 uh, year old age season and, and, and DeAndre Hopkins has a much younger quarterback. Um, that, that's the type of stuff that you get into when you're, when you're ranking people. And, and even Devonte Adams, if after last season, you want to put him into this mix. Um, Aaron Rodgers is, is getting up there and um, you know, it's just, it, it's tough. Why wouldn't Juju's age be the the tiebreaker in all that? Yeah. And so, I, you know, I d- I do plan to to update my ranking sometime in the next week. And and I think it's definitely a range of possible outcomes that Juju is my wide receiver one, just because of the the sizable void left by Antonio Brown leaving. Oh yeah, I, I'd say 160 targets is his floor. I mean, for the foreseeable future, right? I mean, that's just not going to drop below there. And it could be, like you said, up in the 190 range. We haven't seen anybody do that in the past couple of years. But we had three wide receivers do that back in 2015 with uh, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins all eclipsing 190 targets. So I don't see why that's that's not you know possible and even perhaps unlikely given their personnel right now. But uh, I guess if there's anybody else that we're going to trust Besides Juju in that offense, are we trusting James Washington? Are, are you, Scott, are you trusting James Washington to be the guy? Or are you investing in Vance McDonald? Uh, what's the play there? Well, I think something to consider is 
we've seen it the last couple years. The Steelers did not hesitate to draft Juju when they had Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant. So that was a little bit of a surprise to us. They took Juju in the second round. They did the same thing by taking James Washington. And so two times we've had them draft a receiver fairly high in the draft, even though you thought their starting two receivers were locked down. So I wouldn't be surprised if they use maybe that third round pick that they got for Antonio Brown and invested in a receiver that we like uh, out of this class. So until I see that they don't do that or they don't bring in somebody significant in free agency, I'm not so sure that I can project the James Washington for the 100 plus targets. And so at his current price in dynasty leagues, and it's only going to go up just due to the reaction from Antonio Brown's trade. I don't think that I can trust James Washington, at least if that's somebody that I'm going to go out and acquire. Uh, Definitely Vance McDonald, I think, takes a tick up. I think he gets right back up into that low-end tight end one range, kind of with your Austin Hoopers and uh, not probably not Trey Burton anymore. Uh, but I definitely I think, think he's somebody to, that is on the rise. And, uh, as there long as he can stay healthy, well, I think he's going to be a viable starter. I'm really interested week in week. The, the running back situation and how, how often they're going to use those guys too in the passing game. I know uh, we, we talked about the new elite at running back, and, and James Conner was – in that, hey, if you nail whatever happens to James Con- James Conner, like whatever whatever mm-hmm. happens to him in his usage, if you get that right, uh, you're going to play that tier of players uh, well. So, are you still there, uh, Curtis, in terms of believing in James Conner and and really thinking, man, this op- opens up a, a for you know an opportunity in the receiving game for him to just be the go-to guy and obviously a running back one uh, moving forward. Well, what I like about Antonio Brown leaving town is that it does create a void uh, in the wide receiver room. And, and I think it does, you know, as, as Scott said, raise the likelihood of them spending a, a day one or day two pick on a receiver. Yeah. Um, and if, if we had any doubt on what they thought of James Conner, th- those doubts are calmed a little bit by the fact that I really, it just does not seem realistic to me that they draft a running back before day three. Um, and with that known, um, I, I think we're looking at it. I don't even think it's one, a one B. I think it's one, two with Connor and Samuels. And, and I think Connor is, is much, much safer just because of how the Steelers have to play their cards in 2019 at this point. So feel very comfortable with James Connor as a running back one in PPR leagues. I don't know if that's going to be closer to, um, you know, RB12 or, or RB3, but I feel really comfortable with them as, as running back one. Um, and then back to James Washington, just for a minute, I, I'm looking at Juju's rookie year stats here, and I think that might be a realistic set point for what a nice outcome for James, not maybe not the probable outcome, but a nice year two outcome for James Washington. So Juju's rookie season uh, was 79 targets, uh, caught 58 balls for 917 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, 15 touchdowns are gone. Uh, almost 1,300 receiving yards gone. And that would only represent half of Antonio Brown's vacated target uh, share. Um, a- actually, less than that when you factor in the targets that Washington already had in his rookie year. So um, I kind of like that. You know, I, I, I kind of like that. Maybe difficult to project uh, from week to week, but maybe a sneaky wide receiver three. Uh, just based off of what's available. I did, for the record, really like James Washington, was Same. disappointed. Uh, j- you know, he had the draft capital. I mean, round two pick. We love round two picks uh, <laughs> in, in Dynasty Fantasy Football. Round round two is awesome. Um, just didn't get the, the home run landing spot in Pittsburgh uh, because, you know, their deck was already stacked. But uh, really like James Washington. I think he's got a lot of potential. So arrow up for me, but as Scott alluded to uh, or, or even said outright, his his price is already a little bit inflated just off of the speculation of Antonio leaving. And now that might be very difficult to buy uh, at least for the next week or two till things calm down. Yeah, for sure. It's not necessarily the time to buy, but uh, there is a role there and lots of opportunity for him to uh, slide into for sure. Well, before we, uh, you know, run out of time completely, let's just <laughs> jump into a, uh, just kind of like a lightning round looking at the other, uh, opportunities at hand and all all the changing hands at wide receiver and and running back and some other transactions that may mean a little bit something by themselves that, that you know they might not look like a fantasy transaction maybe it's an offensive lineman but maybe that has something to say about another player as well so obviously a lot of people have already talked about Antonio Brown and the Raiders 
do we think Antonio Brown is a wide receiver one for the next two, three years in that landing spot? Scott? Yeah, I definitely think he's he's still potentially going to produce as a wide receiver one. Uh, in, in terms of how I'm treating him in a dynasty league, I, I definitely think there's no possible way that his volume from last year stays where it was uh, going to Oakland. Uh, we don't know how it's going to work out with Derek Carr either, uh, and we don't know. You know, it's kind of the situation where Brown got everything that he wanted in this situation, and we'll see how does he respond to that. Does he come out and get frustrated? Uh, does he throw any tantrums? Does he distract himself uh, from what we're hoping that he does is produce fantasy numbers uh, quickly in Oakland? So there's just a lot of variables. So I'm still trying to move off of Antonio Brown where I can, but I don't think that's been something that is a new thing with his trade. Um, I still think he's going to be able to produce for at least one more season. Uh, we'll see what they do at quarterback uh, if they do decide to move on from Carr uh, at some point. Uh, but I'm still looking to move Antonio Brown, even though I think he's going to produce. I think you try to go down to maybe like a DJ Moore and get something on top of it or something like that. And see, yeah, it's hard to project you know, anything get to less than a wide receiver one season for Antonio Brown, but there are a lot of questions. As far as like years. selling off of him, I'm probably going to wait. Uh, if I am in a selling situation to sell midseason to a competing team, if I'm dropping off uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, an aging team that might not win it all this year, I'm probably waiting until I, I do see him probably producing at a high level to try to sell. But what about, what about you, Curtis? What are you doing with AB right now? I hesitate to even go down this road uh, before I've had a chance <laughs> to act on it. But I think Antonio Brown's going to represent a buy opportunity. I really do. The, we, we, see the, we see the all-time greats have different types of late careers oh, yeah. um, than, than your, than your average, you know, your average show. And um, no one is going to make an argument that Antonio Brown isn't an all time great at this point. Uh, he has six consecutive seasons of over a hundred receptions, two time league leader in receptions, two time league leader in receiving yards, led the league in receiving touchdowns last year um, has done. All, I mean, he hasn't even, He's only had two seasons in which he actually played all 16 games. He usually plays 14 or 15 games, yet he still accomplished those those benchmarks. Now let's talk about uh, John Gruden and John Gruden's history of pummeling late career, marginally talented receivers with targets. I'm going to take you back to 2005 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They rolled out a quarterback tandem of Chris Sims and Brian Greasy and 34-year-old Joey Galloway, 152 targets, 83 balls, 1,287 yards, and 10 touchdowns. No other player had more than 61 targets. Joey Galloway putting up those numbers. Uh, it's not the only example. He did this with Keenan McCardell. He did this with late career Jer with like 39-year-old Jerry Rice getting 1,100 yards with John Gruden. So you're going to tell me that 30, 31-year-old Antonio Brown, who's pissed off at the world, uh, revenge season, just signed the big fat deal, going to Las Vegas, wearing the silver and black. I, I, I don't know how he is not going to have a Larry Fitz, how do I want to say this? Larry Fitzgerald-like uh, late career arc. Oh, yeah. And if that's the case, he's got multiple wide receiver one seasons left. We're not talking about 2019. We're talking about pretty much as long as he wants to do this. He's a he's a A plus 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 route runner. So the question with Antonio Brown in a John Gruden offense, in a in a Mike Mayock John Gruden prove it to the rest of the league that we can do this and we know what we're doing scenario. I don't see how he doesn't get 150 targets minimum this year. I, do, I don't think that his targets will suffer dramatically. I've seen very prominent fantasy analysts saying that Antonio Brown's on the way down the last couple of years, and they make some cogent arguments on that. I, I just fully disagree. Same. I just think there's way too much data out, out there on Hall of Famers and, and how they end their careers. And uh, so, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm team AB at this point. I don't like how he, how he did it necessarily. And there's two sides to the story, but just in terms of the fantasy and the dynasty, I I will probably wait until the movement of, you know, Derek Carr sucks, uh, John Gruden sucks, you know, he's going to a nothing team in an AFC West where they're the third best at, you know, if they're lucky, I'll let all that settle in and then I'll go get some shares. 
Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of like why I asked the question, because I think there's a lot of ways you can go with that. You can try to, I mean, because if you wait until he's having another wide receiver one season to try and sell, I think you're going to still get a really nice price. But if you just enjoy the production and keep coasting with him as the wide receiver one until he's done, I think you really can't go wrong there. So I, I really, I'm, I'm in, in your camp, but I'm okay if, if you're going to wait and sell um, mid wide receiver one season this year too, just to kind of uh, head your bets somewhat a little bit there with him uh, in, in the Raiders situation. And, and but really, the magic number, if you, if, if, like you said, if he, get, he gets that 150 targets this year, 160 is like the magic number for somebody automatically being a wide receiver one. So if he's in that conversation, then there's absolutely no way I'm really worried about that. So yeah, but I guess we should probably now we're gonna get into the lightning round because because <laughs> that was that was a little bit much, but but it's okay. It's it's Antonio Brown. We can't talk about him enough, uh, really. Uh, but uh, let's just talk about some guys that aren't as sexy as the, the names we've been covering so far. Devin Funchess is horrible, uh, but he's going to play for the Colts. Uh, so I mean, Andrew Luck makes everybody look good. So I mean, really can't go wrong. Uh, there, I guess. I mean, he made some really awful scrubs look decent at times this past season. So do we think that Devin Funches is worth anything for our dynasty rosters now or forever? <laughs> I think so. I think uh, you started it right there by saying uh, Devin Funches sucks. But to me, he's his ADP this offseason has gone all the way down to wide receiver 74, which is just an absolute crime. Uh, in my eyes. And now he lands in a great spot in the Colts. There's 209 targets uh, between the four other receivers besides T.Y. Hilton last year that he could potentially get. And then I think the wild card with the Colts is going to be Jack Doyle. And how does he come back and impact some of that market share? But I don't think you could ask for a better landing spot for Funches. Uh, we talked earlier about you know the floor that an Andrew Luck offense has. I mean, I think his very minimum is what Dante Moncrief did in 2015, and he was, a, I think, wide receiver 39 in 2015. I think that's the floor for Funches. So if I'm if I'm somebody that knows there's a player in my league that's down on Funches that really just doesn't like the guys trying to get him off the roster, I'm automatically yeah, buying I'm the, what too, I can uh, because I think he has two wide receiver three, I, I think maybe low wide receiver two potential especially in Especially if Doyle's role is uh, – decrease you know from what it was before injury uh if, if ebron just comes off the crazy doesn't touchdown high that he was riding last year but curtis what about you man yeah i i think he's a better dynasty best ball asset uh, at this point i think he's going to be a little touchdown um dependent for me to feel good about him even if he were let's let's say even if he were to post wide receiver two numbers i just don't think he would do it in a dependable fashion I think he's going to have some touchdowns and some spurts. I do think it, he's a great signing in that, man, it, they could run out big sets with him, Ebron, and Doyle um, from the five-yard line. Good luck. Um, that, that's just going <laughs> to – yeah, that's <laughs> Mo Alleycox. That's going to be brutal, man. I mean, you know, Lux, Lux uh, a threat for 40 touchdowns every season – Great point with 209 targets being vacated. Even if we if we give Doyle 50 of those for being healthy all year, um, in in a a complimentary role where they run, you know, more uh, 12 personnel or something like that, I, I think it's realistic that we could see six seven targets a game for Funchess, um, and and eight touchdowns. And so you know what is it? You know m- maybe it's like an Ebron light level of production. You know 60 some. 60 some receptions, maybe eight, eight, 900 receiving yards and, and eight or nine touchdowns. I don't know what that would equate to for last year. Um, I think you mentioned wide receiver 39 range. I, I kind of like that. I kind of like, let's just treat him like a wide receiver three or flex level player, spot starter and matchups, maybe where the Colts are um, underdogs or uh, an even up game um, and, and look at him that way. And you would, he would, if, if you want to, Put that type of price on him. He's a smash buy at wide receiver seventy four oh, yeah. uh, pricing and, and startup. So yeah, for sure. What about uh, Adam Humphreys and the Titans, and then even you know them signing Saffold at uh, offensive uh, guard? Uh, does that help out Henry? And uh, are we believing Humphreys being viable as a fantasy asset? Perhaps. I want to hear your take, man. You're the you're the Titans expert. <laughs> I want to hear your take first. 
Well, I think, Ta- yeah, okay. Well, fair enough. Tajay uh, Sharp is dead. He was one of the most inefficient wide receivers last year in the league. Had 591 snaps exactly. and showed showed out like with 300 receiving yards. It's pretty pretty much absolutely gross. Taewon is probably going to slide out to the outside, uh, but he's also dead for fantasy football purposes. Uh, Humphreys is going to be that efficient third down uh, monster for them and probably – you know, he's not maybe going to have 80 receptions or close to it like he was last year because the Titans just aren't that type of volume offense. But I think he could be a flex-level type plug-and-play that is uh, surprisingly uh, effective for you. And I, I think he's never been viewed as that guy, but I think he could offer some kind of uh, back-end wide receiver three type play. Uh, you don't probably want him to – you don't you know feel great about it when you plug him in but he, he might be better than you think but i think i am excited and i think we talked about this before we started recording derrick henry having an extra solid offensive lineman interior offensive lineman i think that's exactly where the titans needed help and i think that that just says hey we're probably going to need to run some this year and give it to henry because he's our best runner and it's not close but maybe i'm crazy so <laughs> where, where are you guys that was scott scott are you believing in, in derrick henry and are you buying him for your uh, dynasty rosters? Yeah, that's a good question. I definitely think yeah. the Saffold signing uh, really boosts Derrick Henry, and I do think they're going to at Let's least hope. make an attempt <laughs> to make him the feature carrier this year and try to continue you know, what they did at the end of last season. In terms of whether I'm buying, it's tough to say. He's always had a, a price a little bit higher than what I'm willing to spend, but it did take a dip uh, in the middle of last season. And so it'll just I guess it's league dependent on what I can buy him for. I still think he's he's one of those players that potentially could be in danger to be a victim of the 2020 running back class, so I'm not sure how much I want to invest in him. Uh, but for this season, I for I do sure. think that he's uh, he's Curtis, if I can get at a reasonable price that I'm confident I, in. Yeah, I, at least I the opportunity. I, I agree with your wide receiver takes um, for sure. Uh, Taewon and, and Tajay Sharp definitely dead. We didn't talk about Corey Davis. Um, so before I give you my Derrick Henry take, hmm. I, I I want you to spend thirty seconds on Corey Davis. Okay, so I think I mean he he's been a really important part to the offense. I mean his success has coincided with the uh, Titans' success. When he and, and Henry and Mariota are all healthy, they just win games. And so when they, when they give him targets, when they give him five-plus targets, they're winning games. They're doing well for the most part. And so I think he's still going to be the wide receiver one. He's still going to have a similar target, target share. Maybe he sees a slight dip in target share, but if Humphreys helps the offense just maintain drives, you know, actually showing some third down success. I like his, his scoring opportunity to go up. So I'm, I'm not necessarily buying Corey Davis, but I'm, I'm excited to see what this offense looks like as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think it could be a situation where, you know, the alpha at each position has that chance to be valuable. We're just not going to get the depth that we want yeah. on Derrick Henry specifically. I think he's undervalued. I think he does represent a buy right now. When we look at what he did and when we look at the moves that they're making with the Saffold signing, um, I, I, I do think that he has upside for more. Um, he was not the primary ball carrier really until the end of the season, and even then it was it was kind of script-based. And I think that we might see early more early game commitment to Henry before they cave to a script that's not going their way. And that's gonna that could be the primary difference this year. And we're talking about a guy who had almost 1,100 yards rushing and 12 rushing touchdowns last year. He's being drafted as running back 22 at age 24. Um, I, I see no defensible reason why Leonard Fournette's going two rounds earlier in startups. <laughs> I see no defense for Kareem Hunt going a round and a half earlier who's going to be suspended for six games and is buried behind Nick Chubb on the current team that he plays for. Philip Lindsay, the same age, 120 pounds soaking wet, basically no, uh, very, very little precedent in NFL history for that type of back being sustainable moving forward. Aaron Jones, um, I think is arguably um, the closest comp for a situation like Henry where we can see the upside, but even he didn't have the workload that Derrick Henry had last year. And he's going, you know, basically around earlier. So I think he's a discount relative to other guys. And if you're sitting in the middle, he's like an on-the-clock trade guy in, in rookie drafts this year. I think if you're sitting there, a couple of those top receivers are off the board. 
and you're not in love with the running backs from this class, maybe, you know, moving your mid first. I think I could, I could really get behind moves like that with Derrick Henry. Yeah. I like it. I think that's, that's probably about where I am with him too. I think he's going to have a, a solid role this year. And I think his price is going to go up as, as it compares to uh, the other running backs in that same tier that you compared them, uh, compared him to, but well, let's wrap it up here with a few uh, messy wide receiver situations and then some uh, talk on a couple of these running backs that we still don't really know about. Uh, there are some nasty wide receiver cores going on right now with the Jets, the Bills, the Bears, they, who just they just signed Cordell Patterson, which good luck figuring that situation out. I don't really know where the tar- targets are going in Chicago. And really, I don't know, like you said, Curtis, if there's anyone that I'm trusting on the Bears uh, besides maybe Tariq Cohen uh, and, and so I don't I don't want to trust any of those wide receivers. But Jets, I mean Robbie Anderson, not really sure yet. Quincy Nunwa, Jamison Crowder, uh, kind of smaller slot guys there. Are, are we and then the Bills? We've got Cole Beasley, uh, Smokey Brown, John Brown, Zay Jones, Robert Foster. Are are we buying any of these guys? For me, I, I still think that Anun was actually somebody that's going to get discounted now uh, because of the Crowder signing. And I think that Anunwa is going to be somebody that's used all over the field. Uh, it was even this, the same was said uh, from Gase a week ago. And actually in 2016, Anun was actually pretty productive uh, playing on the outside uh, in limited snaps. But I think he's somebody that can play all over the field. So I'm still try to buy him on the cheap if I if his stock has gone down uh since the Crowder signing I think Crowder's somebody that you've probably been stashing if you've you know believed that he's going to find a decent landing spot so I actually think he's still somebody you want to hold on to and see where he shakes out Robbie we don't know uh we'll still find out if he's gonna end up staying with the Jets it sounds like he's going to uh but that's somebody that is going to be a wild card in this thing so I would actually acquire a Nunwa if I could buy the three only because I think I can get him the cheapest and then the Bills the Bills, man, are starting to look like the Jacksonville receiving core from last year where it's just like average quarterback play, at least from a passing perspective, and you don't really know who to trust. So I'm a little discouraged. I like the signing today with John Brown. I actually liked him going there, and then about 30 minutes later, they announced that they signed Beasley too. So I'm not really sure what I'm doing with the Bills. I, it's going to be hard to see me investing in them if I don't already have them on my roster. Yeah, same here. It's hard to really invest and go buy them. But what, what about you, Curtis? Uh, for the Jets, I, I, this kind of reminds me of a situation like the Detroit Lions of the last couple years where you had Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay and Golden Tate, and um, there's a little bit to like about each one, but did you ever feel great investing a lot? Now, this is like a C-rate version of that. Um, I'm not comparing the this this trio to that trio on that level, but um, I think there's reason for optimism with Jameson Crowder uh, when you look at how Adam Gase – um, funneled targets to to Jarvis Landry uh, in, in Miami, um, and you know Crowder. I, I'm not going to compare him uh, to Jarvis um, in terms of style per se, and you know, they're built differently. And, and and I think they're maybe a little different after the catch too. But in terms of maybe the route combinations that he's going to use, Crowder could be the beneficiary in checkdown mode of that. But I, I I already liked Robbie Anderson and felt that maybe he was discounted um, versus some of his his peers, and now not having to be the only guy there with the noon will always be in the injury question mark. I, I kind of like Robbie the best of this group, Robbie Anderson. Um, with the Bills, um, I, think, I, I think I'm avoiding all of these receivers, but I think it's just good for Josh Allen. I mean, I'm glad that he has some reasonably talented players there now, to, to aid in, in his growth as a passer in year two. And I am waiting for that first highlight of him throwing a 75 air yard touchdown to John Brown. That's going to be really fun. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be fun. It's going to be 85 actually. So I can't, I can't wait for that. <laughs> for sure. Can't wait. But, yeah. Uh, off his back foot. <laughs> yeah. Something yeah. to add on Crowder. I think you can probably compare Crowder more to the way Gase used Albert Wilson last year. Um, that's kind of a more comparable player to Crowder. So I can see him having some, some ceiling on a week to week basis. Yeah. So, and mm-hmm. then I think the biggest loser for the Jets has got to be, it's got to be Chris Herndon. I have a hard time seeing how he's going to continue yeah. on the pace that he did last year. So he's definitely a sell for me at this point. 
yeah, he had, I think it was tied for most receptions for rookie tight ends last year. I think, I think it was 32. So I think that's a good start, but not much room to grow if they're uh, inserting all these other targets for sure. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's on. be careful on Herndon real quick because Gase <laughs> called him a unicorn. And um, he's not a unicorn in that he's, you know, um, just oddly talented. He's a unicorn in that you're never going to be able to see him um, in the box score. That's that's my take. <laughs> that's that's pretty brutal, but uh, but it might end up being pretty fair as well. But uh, let's just hit on these running backs uh, like Bell, Ingram, Coleman, and obviously Latavius to the Saints. We can't forget that that that's probably an underrated uh, signing for his value. Uh, if he is going to be a, a compliment uh, to Kamara, but uh, I'm not really sure if I'm trusting in his talents. But Bell, obviously, we, we don't know at, at this point when, in the recording. Ingram, we don't know. Obviously, those two could be the running – well, <laughs> Bell's going to be running back one wherever he goes. But Ingram could be in, in for an uptick in price if he gets an, a solid opportunity. But like guys like Coleman, like Tevin Coleman or TJ Yeldon, uh, are we are we going out and trying to, to buy for those lower level guys or 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 Bell and Ingram right now? Like, it's just it's it's kind of a hard. That's one of the hardest things to do mid free agency is properly value these guys. So so Scott, out of that, I don't know, kind of hard to gauge group. Are you shopping for them right now? I think it it depends. I think most people are probably going to be wanting to wait to see where the landing spots are uh, before they make a move on these guys. I I actually still believe in TJ Yeldon, so he's somebody that I will be holding on, uh, hoping that maybe he lands somewhere where he's going to give me some running back value uh, next season at least, uh, because I probably didn't invest a whole lot in getting him. Coleman's probably a player that I would sell for a first-round pick if I can get it today. Uh, But other than that, I'm hoping he lands in a spot that other people think that it's a tick up for him and then I maybe have a little bit of a higher sell window. And on Ingram, I mean, I'll pass that to Curtis because I know he made the trade with Mark Ingram uh, just recently, so he can talk about them and what he thinks on these guys, but Ingram specifically. Yeah, with Mark Ingram, um, I so to be clear, I've always really liked the player, um, but anywhere he goes, I, I think it's probably a worse situation than New Orleans. New Orleans is like running back – fantasy point mecca man like there's been no better fantasy offense for running backs than new orleans for really the better part of a decade now and for most of those years he was the complimentary piece and i understand that maybe we get one or two seasons of bell cow usage out of him but do you want to invest that in a guy that's already 29 um so i i sold mark ingram in a league where i'm actually it's very much a win now situation i i won that league uh, in 2017 and in, in 2018 was the runner-up um, and went ahead and sold Ingram um, yesterday uh, along with the 211 for 108. Um, and I, I kind of just viewed that as buying a bunch of if, – if I need to replace him with a running back, I just bought a lot of years. I mean, I can probably get Daryl Henderson or maybe even a David Montgomery if he slides a little bit with that 108. So Ingram's a sell for me on the optimism of free agency – Coleman, I, I just don't feel that we we got what we should have last year and, and what should have been a smash spot for him. He, If I owned him anywhere, he's also probably a sell. Um, I, I acknowledge that there's a couple spots with his age. If he were to land in a spot like Philly uh, or Baltimore and, and get the lion's share of touches, that he could be uh, he could have that production for, for a longer period of time than Ingram. But I'm just willing to be wrong on, on a player like Coleman who has never really all put it all together. Um, and, and Bell, I can't advocate for buying him. There's just He sat out for a year at this point. There's rumors that he gained like 30-plus pounds. He he could end up smashing, obviously, but uh, I don't want to go buy a, an age 27 back who might weigh 260 today on spec. I'll pass and let somebody else do that. Fair enough, fair enough. I. Now that's probably enough uh, free agency and buzz talk uh, for one week. We did go a little bit longer this week than we usually do, but uh, there's just so much to talk about. And uh, honestly, we could have gone for another hour probably with all the news that have that's just been hitting the fan all at once here. But as I mentioned earlier, don't forget, we've got the next edition of the Rookie Guy that's just going to be jam-packed with awesome stuff with the wide receiver charting that, I, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a little biased there. I'm a, I'm a fan of that that stuff. But you got the combine analysis, some mock drafts, rookie draft strategy, important player traits, 
to to take a look at and more. We're just it, I, I can't convey the level of excitement I, I have for this guide in particular. It's just it was a lot of fun putting t- together. Can't wait to share that with you. You can pick one up at, over at DynastyCommandCenter.com. But uh, Curtis and Scott, thanks again for joining me again this week. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at CPatrickNFL and at CharlesChillFFB. I'm Travis May on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. Thanks again for joining us for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that Dynasty life. grill master you've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth you savor the moment to get amazing offers during the mercedes-benz summer event like the 2019 c-class sedan and glc suv the perfect recipes of driving performance plus you can enjoy six months of sirius xm all access included the mercedes-benz summer event now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles offers end september 3rd mercedes-benz the best or nothing They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.